All right, everybody, it's nine o'clock. Let's get right into it. We do this series every Monday through Thursday at 9 p.m. Eastern on Twitter Spaces. I'm Alan Gay, and this is the Now D1 Speak Show. Now, some of you may have noticed that today is Friday. It's not Monday through Thursday, and you are listening. Well, I'm pleased to tell you we have made an exception to our series dates, and we are meeting on Friday. I'm also excited to tell you Jeremy Booth is joining us. He, he has just written a book, Inside the Mind of a Scout. Hey, Jeremy, are you there? I'm here. Awesome. Man, thank you for joining us. This is really going to be a fun space. For those yeah, who may not, yeah, definitely. For, for those who may, for, well, for those who may not know you, why don't you get it started tonight with an introduction? Maybe a little bit about how you got started in baseball and an overview of your playing career. Yeah, so uh, listen, thanks for having me. I appreciate everybody jumping on and um, able to talk about my book. Um, my name is Jeremy Booth. I, I spent uh, 18 years in the game as a player, coach, and a scout. The last seven years, I've been on uh, TV here in Houston, Texas, uh, covering the Astros and Major League Baseball. Um, I grew up in baseball. grew up in the game, was literally born in the clubhouses, and, and was very fortunate as a young child to walk around with some of the uh, stars of the game. Um, and, you know, flash forward 18 years later when I was done playing and scouting with uh, the Twins, Mariners, and Brewers, um, I thought there were some disconnects needed to happen and things needed to change a little bit and uh, started a, 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 what turned into a company, which was originally just designed for workouts to help players. Um, and that evolved into what is now known as the Future Star Series and New Balance Baseball's Global Initiative. Um, that is, has taken off. We have events in, in City Field and uh, Fenway Park, um, internationally in the Caribbean Classic, and of course our national home now, as far as the events are concerned, is in Nashville. Um, in six years, six drafts so far, and some of the international signing classes, we've had over $200 million in signing bonuses come through, and I'm not sure how many scholarships we've had, and it's been very gratifying to give these players, some of which, or many of which actually, are not necessarily entering the year as, as what you would think, um, you know, uh, I don't know, let's say height well. Right. And so you give them a platform and allow them to to go forward and truly scout these players has been uh, has been a passion of mine. I'm grateful for the opportunity. Man, what a great rundown. What an illustrious career. Thank you so much for that background. And, and before we get into the book, there's so much that I can only imagine led up to the point to where, you know, you probably really wanted to sit down and put all your thoughts on paper. And uh, so it's kind of that build up. I'd love to kind of go through that and then we'll jump into the book. As, as I think back over your career, what would you say was one major accomplishment that you had as a player? And, and more importantly, what was, what did you really learn from that? You know, the, the funny thing about the accomplishments as a player. Um, and I think I've come to, I kind of appreciate this as time has gone on. You know, when I, you know, my last professional inning as, in, as a player was in 2007, I was actually a player coach. I was coach for most of the year, right? So this has been quite some time since I've, I've jumped in and, and worn a uniform competitively on that side. Um, and when you look back on it, you know, I, had, I think it's fair to say a storied amateur career. I was an All-American twice and All-State three times and you know, league MVPs. I grew up in Southern California, right? So that was, that was different. 
um, you know, had a, it was All-American Junior College and, and at Cyprus and then, you know, went on and, and had a pretty good you know, year at New Mexico State before I went out to play. What I've learned, though, what I've learned to accept is that the, the, the most, you know, biggest achievement and even most memorable moment I've ever had was even being a player at the professional level. Um, and in the last 150 years that baseball has been around, uh, you know, where people have been paid to do it, at any level, there's been roughly 750,000 people ever to play in a uniform and get paid for it. That's just, that's a rough estimate. But in that same time on this planet, there's probably been, you know, 13 billion people. And to have that opportunity, even for a day, uh, you know, while you're in it, you don't look at it that way, but looking back on it, um, it is, it's absolutely just even having the opportunity in the first place is, is the best moment. Man, Jeremy, I love that answer. And, uh, if you're not familiar with what it is that now D1 Speaks does, it, it's a platform for uncommitted high school athletes. And, it, it, you know, it's kids with dreams. And it's kids with the, their first dream is to, to go somewhere uh, and play collegiately. And, and then their hope is, of course, that that potentially may lead somewhere else. But I got to tell you, so many of the kids that I talk to, and they're 23s and 24s, I mean, they're super, super mature kids. Mature seniors that are putting down great track records, mature juniors that are really building a fantastic resume. But every one of them that you talk to, at least so far that I've talked to, they're so well-grounded. And I, what you just said, I think every one of them realizes it. They're, they're no longer the, the five-year-old playing t-ball or the seven-year-old starting out in Little League who thinks they're just going to be an all-star Hall of Famer. They've come to realize, honestly, how fortunate they are to be playing high school ball. I mean, that doesn't just always happen either. So what a, I really, really appreciate your rundown and, and, you know, your gratitude to understand what it is that you were able to accomplish. And that's awesome. Hey, to everyone that's joining uh, tonight, thank you very much. We appreciate it. If, if you did get in late, we record this. You'll be able to hear it in its entirety. Tonight we're speaking with Jeremy Booth. He's, uh, he started Program 15. I know he's going to be talking about that a little bit. He also runs New Balance Future Stars Series. And he's an author. Guy's doing it all. He just wrote a book, Inside the Mind of a Scout. Hey, speaking of a scout, mind of a scout, what led you to become a professional scout? And are there some career? You, you mentioned some dollars, $200 million. Are there some players out there that we would recognize that you've helped? Well, you know, I'll work backwards to front. I mean, uh, the signing bonus numbers actually got a two in front of it. And, and that just happened with the last Caribbean classic and some of that stuff. So it's been $200 million in six years between draft picks that have gone through it. I mean, look, we've had some guys like Zach Veen, uh, Ricky Tiedemann. Um, we've had Nick Abel. We've had Grayson Rodriguez who's in the big leagues now with Baltimore. Um, you know, and, and not all these guys, well, you know, Abel and, and Veen were a little famous. We had Veen before he became famous and we had Abel as a freshman, right? Uh, Noah Naylor, uh, man, I don't know, uh, Ryan Spikes, I mean, Cam Collier. We've had a lot of these guys at a very, very early stage, and the immense talent these guys have, right? And um, all the players that we have have some kind of a, a professional tool, what we call a carrying tool. And that means you can project these players to have something they can do that has major league value. It doesn't always work out that way, right? I mean, of the 750,000, you know, approximation I just gave you, 20,000 or so of those have never played in the major leagues. So it doesn't always work out that way. But the idea is that 
by giving these kids that platform, they run with it and trying to help them player development wise with, you know, a tweak here, a swing lesson there, a thinking process there, uh, you know, delivery uh, and a ground ball action, helping their internal clock you know, all these things that we do to play the game at the, at the fastest speed. Um, the idea is by giving them those things to walk away with, they're able to be better. And the next time you see them a few, a few months later, they're better. So I feel like we've been able to help some of those kids. Obviously, look, the success is theirs and the people that are with them on the ground. But, you know, it takes a, a village and a lot of different sets of eyes to do it. So some of those guys would be uh, will be household names. Christian Rodriguez is off taking the ball with Baltimore um, and a very young team overall, and he's going to be a star. So uh, Mick Abel actually threw tonight. was up to 99. In, in double A. So it's, it's, it's fun to watch those guys compete and, and arrive at the same time. Um, you know, as far as me being a scout, you know, this, this part isn't in the book. That's a pretty good question, right? Cause the book is written with a different purpose than, than a lot of my story and background. But I will say that, um, I just got done playing. I was going to coach in an independent league in the Can-Am league. Um, and, you know, independent baseball had a couple of groups that ran spring training and, and fall leagues. And it was designed to see college kids and that didn't have a place to play, right? And try to see if you could have some, some rookie-level requirements or some guys that want to make a lot of money. But, you know, just still guys that could get in, you could, you could add on to your roster. And um, I'm down in Florida at, at Cocoa Beach, a place that um, actually was the same, same place I met Chris Capozzi, who's our vice president of, of, of baseball operations. And, uh, works with me in a couple of initiatives on the side. I actually met Chris. was at Boco uh, years later. Anyway, I'm down there in the spring training. I'm coaching. I've got the catchers and I've got the hitters. And so I'm just getting out there in player development. So that's what I'm thinking my job is, right? That's what I'm going to do. You come off the field, you think player development. Most, many players don't think scouting. They think, they think PD. And so um, I'm down there and I'm doing that. And then there's a game going on, and all of a sudden, there's kind of a weird play at home plate. And I, I mean, I, to life of me, I can't tell you what it is all these years later, but it was kind of a weird play at home plate. And I turn around, and one of the guys who's scouting the game for a club says, hey, they don't do that at Beverly Hills High School, right? And, I mean, that's where I went. It was Beverly Hills High. And I keep in mind, I'm 30 years old. So this is a long time from there, right? I'm in Cocoa Beach, Florida. And I turn around, I'm like, who are you? <laughs> And so the conversation starts, you know, starts talking. He says, hey, I'm Tim O'Neill. Let's come, come talk to me when you're done. And he says, listen, do you ever think about scouting? And I said, no. And he said, you might want to think about it. He said, you know, you're a good baseball guy. You've got a background. There's a push in the game for some new blood, and, and you might want to think about it. And, you know, back then, uh, cell phones weren't what they were today, and, and Twitter and DMs and all that stuff wasn't exactly as, as active as possible. Um, but – we were able to uh, talk to him on the side, and he said, uh, here's my card. Give me a call when the season's over, and, you know, we got to get through the draft. And, and so we said, I said, okay, thanks, and we parted ways. I didn't really give much thought to it. The year goes by. I'm coaching. I'm doing my job, and season ends. And I just decided player development on the field as a coach wasn't the same life that I, I kind of was thinking about. So I thought, thought about joining a club as a scout, talked to, you know, several organizations. But I called the Twins. That's where this guy was from, Tim was from. I called the Twins. Um, and then it was voicemail. It wasn't a, a text message. It wasn't an email. It was, you know, I called. And they answered the phone, ironically, and called Tim and had him call me and gave him the message, and the phone rang within a day. Um, I talked to Tim for me. He says, look, we're hiring some scouts. I'm glad you called. It's kind of a good time. Would you like to get, get involved? I said, listen, I'm open to the process. I thought about what you said, and I'd love to, to hear more if there's still some interest. He goes, yeah, there's absolutely some interest. He says, we're going to be in meetings in Fort Myers, starting tomorrow. Give us a couple of weeks. Let's get through this. I said, okay, no problem. 
Well, the next day the phone rings, <laughs> and it's a guy named Earl Frischman, who is a, is a East Coast supervisor. It's transitioning to a different role with the Twins. Is more of a pro scout. And he says, hey, listen, you know, Tim said he ran India, you know, and then we go to the Lions. So I start talking to Earl. I have an hour, hour and a half conversation with Earl. He says, all right, well, listen, we're going to be in Arizona. Can you meet us in Arizona for an interview? And keep in mind, I'm from Southern California. So, you know, I wasn't living in Southern California at the time, but I was in SoCal. And or getting back to, to, uh, to Arizona, rather, wasn't too far. So I figured, yeah, no problem. Let's, we'll go ahead and do that. He says, okay, we'll be in touch with you in about a week to 10 days and, and get you some dates. All right, no problem. Phone rings the next day. It's Darren Johnson, scout director of the Twins, and he says, "Listen, I, you know Tim. I know Tim talked to you. I know Earl talked to you. Um, you know, I want to be sure that uh, you know you're interested in doing this. If you are, we'd love for you to come down to Fort Myers to talk to us here, since we're all in, in Florida. So, so right away, I've gone from phone call when they happened to pick up the phone in Minnesota to the supervisor or the, the cross checker at that time to another cross checker at that time who had areas open." And then now to the scouting director. And I said, yeah, I can come down to Fort Myers when? When do you need me down there? He goes, tomorrow. <laughs> and so I said, I said, well, I don't know if I can come tomorrow. I'm in the middle of some stuff. Can, can I get a day? You know? And he goes, yeah, we, can you get down here in two days? I said, yeah, sure. He goes, uh, um, he goes well, can you, can you get yourself a ticket? Now, keep in mind, I'm, a, I'm a, coming off a minor league baseball player. I'm transitioning jobs. You know, no, a no-notice ticket for on the East Coast. I was in Boston at the time. A no-notice ticket from Boston to, to Fort Myers, Florida, you know, is, is kind of tough coming off the coaching season with, with that. And I said, well, I guess I can. I, you know, it's not going to be tough. I'm going to need a little more time to figure it out. He goes, all right, we'll call you back. Phone rings about 45 minutes later. He goes, we're going to take care of your ticket. He goes, where airport? Okay. He said, we'll get you a, a hotel if you need to. He said, but we think we can fly you down and back in the same day. I said, how long is the interview? He goes, oh, eight to ten hours. All right, let's go. So, so I just I I, I change I get dressed. I you know I'm going down in into Florida. I don't know really what I'm walking into. I've never done on this side, but I get I get dressed and the next morning I get up. I'm on a plane by about I don't know six thirty. I want to say it was a JetBlue flight from Boston to Fort Myers, which sounds right. But I jumped on a, a JetBlue bird and got down there and. They picked me up at the airport and they're talking. Hey, you know what? They never do this. They're really glad to see you. You know, they're excited about the potential here. I said, okay, you know, it's great. I, I mean, I have no idea. You know, I, I don't know. In baseball, there's a lot. It can be a lot of, um, how do we say this? A lot of smoke, right? So I don't know what I don't know what to believe yet. I barely know these guys. I just know that I'm now in Florida, and I don't have a bag. So I'm I'm going out the next day that night. I don't bag. So um, I'm down and, and and we go to the complex, the old Twins complex, Fort Myers, and. We drive in and I walk in and I'm like, hey, what's up? How's it going? You know, shaking hands and doing all that stuff. And um, the next thing I know, uh, I'm in a, I'm in a room, and the room's got eight people in it. I've got the general manager, I've got Darren Johnson, who for purposes we'll call DJ. I've got Tim, the guy that that, that uh, asked me if I wanted to scout. I've got Earl. I've got Sean Johnson, who's now their vice president of scout. You get the picture. I mean, I got the entire room. I got their field coordinator. And it's, it's like, it's an office. It's a spring training office. And if you've never been to a spring training office, they're not big. They're not real big. They're, pro, they're, they're, they're tiny. So it's like a firing squad of eight people. And I'm just sitting there. I got no notes. I got nothing, nothing in my hand. I'm just watching these people like, okay, what's up? You know? And so all I can do is think about smiling and I'm just kind of smiling sitting there. And it literally was a firing squad. It was one question after the other, one question after the other, you know, and, and they asked me to rank things like integrity, um, you know, uh, perseverance, you know, uh, Things like that. How would you rank these things in order? Work ethic. Um, 
and I knew nothing. I knew nothing about being a scout, but I, what I knew was I knew how to answer those questions. And so I answered those questions and we talked baseball for a minute. And I was there from in that room from probably eight o'clock in the morning, uh, maybe closer to nine o'clock in the morning. I left at five and got to the airport. And I sat in that room the entire time with the session, maybe a bathroom break and some lunch, which, you know, I ate lunch at the complex. Um, I left, got to the airport. DJ called me and said, listen, I, I think you're going to be good at this and we'd love to have you. And, and I just want to thank you for hustling down here and being here. And, you know, we'll be in touch shortly. If anything comes up, let me know. I said, yeah, no problem. Appreciate the opportunity. Got on the plane, went back to Boston. Um, two weeks later, phone rang and said, we'll offer your job. Um, and that was my entry into scouting and I never looked back. Man, Jeremy, you've got, I have one main comment after that. You've got to know what the play at the plate was. How in the world? <laughs> it was something where the umpire did something screwy. That's all I can tell you. I have no idea what it was. The umpire did something screwy, and um, it was enough where the entire place stopped and looked. But, you know, if not for that, um, you know, you never know what those moments are. You know, scouting is very difficult to get into. A lot, of, At least it was at the time. A lot of people wanted to do it. Um, I was very fortunate. I was fortunate to be in the right place at the right time and, and have some people who um, – who believed in me and, and thought that my, my track record and, and my background had some value. And uh, I was grateful to have some other mentors beyond that. Never forget that foundation with the twins, but I had some really good mentors along the way as well. Man, that, that's just an incredible story. I love the way you said it. it was one of those plays that it stopped everyone and they all took a look in many ways, your entire life kind of came to a stop right at that, that instant. And then you changed gears and went a totally different direction. Incredible story. How, who was uh, Tim O'Neill and how did he recognize you? So Tim O'Neill, that's an excellent question, actually. Tim O'Neill at the time was kind of like the Southeast, um, Mideast. They called it a Mideast. It was a really weird kind of regional how they did it. Um, but it was, it was a Mideast uh, cross-checker. And so they were filling in for some area scouts. They had like one in Georgia. They had one in, in the Four Corners. Um, they had one where it in, included Mississippi. Um, and then they had one that was the area I actually took, which was like Tennessee, uh, Ohio, West Virginia, and Kentucky, right? And I lived in a place called Florence, Kentucky. If you've never been there, it's you can miss it if you blink. And if you have been there, there's a water tower that y'all know called Florence, y'all, right? And that was that's Florence, Kentucky. So I lived not too far from the water tower. Anyway, Tim was a cross-checker there. Um, he had been, like me, as a Southern California native. And when I was in high school, you know, I kind of alluded to it. I had a very decorated high school career, um, an amateur career as a whole, but very decorated in high school. Uh, at one point, it's something like 28 state of California records, and was very highly rec- you know, ranked and scouted you know, young catcher. Um, and at that point, Tim was a high school coach out at a place called Chaminade High School. And so it turns out that while I was going through that time, he was the coach on the other team. Now, when you're in high school, you should know, have no idea who the coach is on the other. You should, really shouldn't be paying attention to that. You focus on yourself and your team and being a good student, being a good person, um, you know, and your work ethic. So I had no clue. But when you're a coach, your job is to know all the players, right? And, of course, he went into scouting not too long after that. So Tim knew who I was. Um, I didn't know who he was, but I'm forever thankful for that interaction and that, that uh, crossing paths in high school uh, when, when that old saying, you never know who's watching, is really evident. That, you know, at that point, I guess I was 16. So 14 to 15 years later, you know, we crossed paths in, in, a, in, um, in Cocoa Beach, Florida. Just happened to be the same place at the same time, and the rest is history. Man, that's so cool. You, you definitely left an impression on him 14, 15 years prior to that. That is really impressive. And thanks for giving us a little bit of the rundown of your uh, uh, high school uh, career as well and some of the accolades that you had. Hey, I hope 
that while you were talking about this, you know, somebody was taking some notes. We're recording it, but I think you have a prequel to uh, Inside the Mind of a Scout. And when you write that, I wouldn't mind getting a few rights to it. <laughs> you got it. Absolutely. <laughs> I love it, Jeremy. Hey, one thing I do want to be mindful of, and I definitely want to keep talking about the book. And as you were talking, I was thinking, man, this interview could go a whole different direction than what I was thinking, because it's just fascinating, your life story. But I do want to be mindful of kind of our core audience. And my core audience really is uncommitted high school uh, prospects and, and their parents and coaches that are looking to recruit them. So with that in mind, just I, I do want to take one little step back and I want to talk about Program 15 and really how that kind of fits in with uh, uncommitted kids and how you came up with the idea of Program 15 and then how that really led to, uh, to you know, the, the future um, series. Yeah, so, you know, when I grew up in Southern California, I was very fortunate, as I mentioned, to be born in the clubhouses. And at the time... Um, there was something uh, called the program. And this has been documented on, on a, um, a show, a movie, if you will, and you could call it a documentary called Harvard Park, which is on Amazon in case anybody wants to watch it. Um, it was inner city Los Angeles. It was um, players like Daryl Strawberry and Eric Davis and, 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 and Chris Brown and, you know, any number of, of, of professionals that were big league, really big league stars. Frank Thomas, Barry Larkin was there, and a bunch of minor league guys that, um, had some pretty good minor league careers, guys went up and down to the big leagues. But, you know, I was the, I was out there as a very young kid, shagging fly balls and, and taking swings and batting practice and, you know, all these different things that I was able to do. And I was kind of raising the game that way. Well, a lot of those lessons that I learned there had nothing to do with necessarily, um, uh, you know, playing baseball. There's a lot of that. There was a lot of not that. It was a lot of being there on time and accountability and, and work ethic and how you approach it and being honest and how you deal with family issues. And so all of that was really more of a mentorship at a very young age, and it followed me all the way through the game. Um, those guys later on uh, went to when, – when the inner city Los Angeles uh, gang violence got too, too much to work out at Harvard Park, they went over to west side Los Angeles. Um, for a year, they worked out at my high school. My dad called the coach and said, hey, these guys need a place to work out. This is who they are. They may be around to help the kids. And, um, you know, so I worked out with these guys literally at my high school every day for the, the off season. Um, the next year, it was a little bit more, a little tougher, and they moved over to a place called Chevy Hills Park. Well, when, when I graduated high school, that broke up, and they went their separate ways and, and so forth and so on. But the way they looked after me and the way they mentored and the way they put lessons in and, and backed up my parents and taught me things like accountability and, and honor and, and directness and, and, and things that I hold dear to myself today um, was what stuck with me. And so I felt that we were in an era of baseball when I left the Mariners. Um, I felt there were some disconnects going on. There were players that were not seen that should be seen. There were players that had had, um, uh, won't be developed properly. There was a message that was that was missing in, in the, the circuit of travel baseball and the circuit of just some of the players I'd seen that we had in Seattle that we should have, that should have been better or some of the guys we drafted that, you know, was other guys on the board. And, you know, just, just my view, my view of how the, the game was turning. Um, and so I started out with working with some some pro guys. I, you know, I went on a bunch on some interviews, had a bunch of interest, didn't take another job, and started out working with some pro guys here. And that, that list went from, you know, five or six to about 40. Well, I needed a name, right? Because now we're out there working out. It's not just one guy. I'm not, you know, going to do something different. I'm, I'm, I'm training players who are professionals with different organizations, and we needed a name. 
And so the way I wanted to name it was after my lineage and as an homage to the guys that had raised me in baseball. Um, and so I named it the program after them. Then I put my jersey number on it, which was 15. So that's program 15, and that's the genesis. Um, in that time, a bunch of high school players in the area, I live in, I live in uh, you know, Fulcher, Texas now, but the time was Cinco Ranch and Katy, which isn't too far from here. You know, they, they were kind of talking to me about the travel industry and some of the stuff that they thought was really wrong with it and some of the opportunities they like to get and some coaching. And they just kept asking to work. Well, I've always been big on paying it forward. We do it now with the series and, and with the company. And uh, those guys that I, I mentioned earlier who are kind of like my uncles, I mean, they paid it forward into me. And I just felt it was my responsibility to, to pay it forward. So I did. I started out paying it forward. I designed some caps that I thought would make sense. I went through some development plans with these guys and took some of the we'll call it an IDP, like in corporate America, you have an IDP, right? So we put some IDP stuff together. Now that's become more prevalent in baseball today. Some clubs are doing it. it they weren't doing it then. And um, we went through a system of, of testing these players athletically, as well as developing it to help them get the most out of what their ultimate role could be, whether it was college or professional baseball. Um, and then the end result was, you know, not the guys that were anointed, that was a little bit of a sweet spot for me or, or rather a, a, a soft spot because I was an anointed player. So I knew what that meant. I knew what it meant to be an anointed player. I knew what it meant to be, to have guys watching you. And my career didn't turn out the way if you saw me at 16 or 17, you would think it just didn't. So understanding what I, you know, then what I didn't know about, you know, when I was in high school, um, I got, I wanted to help these kids get better. I saw some athleticism. We saw some makeup. We saw some value and help these kids get through school. Um, and we saw how to, how to turn these guys into that role. Well, what, what happens at the highest level of professional baseball will always trickle down. It doesn't work the other way. And so this is where my lenses could come into play. Um, we started applying some development plans. It took off. Next thing you know, we have some travel organizations that want to do this. Uh, as far as having me go in and consult for them with their player development, get some, some, some evaluation, some real scouting evals. Um, I started looking at this, the industry as a whole, and very soon the, the Future Star Series was born. New Balance liked the idea. They wanted something different as well, and they really sponsors our global initiative, and away we go. And that's how Program 15 started and, and, and led to the Future Star Series. Man, I love it. And everybody's heard of it. You know what I mean? I mean, it's, it's just a known name and it's a big deal to be a part of it, to send your son out there, all you, all the uncommitted kids, they want to go, heck, the committed kids want to be there as well. Cause you just get, you get the development, you get the notoriety, uh, you get to put down the record, then compare it at, when you come back a month later, three months later, a year later. I mean, it, it's, it's a great program. And as you have kind of stayed at the forefront where, where do you see this industry going? What's what's the next thing? I don't want to I don't want to give away your secrets if you're building something, but just kind of you know where do you think this thing is heading? Um, I you know I, I will say this, Alan. I, I think anybody who knows me knows I'm a, I'm a builder, and I, I I will say that I don't uh, I'm never I don't believe in being satisfied. Call it my upbringing. Call it um, looking for the the next challenge. Call it for trying to find a way to make it better because I learned at early early age watching all those guys we talked about. I learned at an early age that the game doesn't care. And the first thing we got to realize when we're young kids, the game doesn't care. It's going to keep moving. Uh, you know, not too long ago, there was a player named Barry Bonds, right? And we, everybody knows who Barry Bonds is. Yeah, you know who he is, right? He's not in the Hall of Fame. The game doesn't care. Has, the games keep moving. Players are playing today. The game doesn't care. The only time Barry Bonds is mentioned is when somebody who remembers him brings it up. But the game itself is fine. And as soon as you figure out that that's bigger than you, you can kind of take the – I don't want to call it the ego, but let's say a little bit of the um, peacocking 
out of yourself, right? And you start looking at how to make it better. Um, I'm very fortunate to have the life that I've had. And for me, it's always about helping what's next. And I think in this game, there's some people that have tried to help the next group, tried to make it better from a fundamental way of approaching it, tried to, um, you know, find different ways to impact players. It, you know, maybe it's financial, maybe it is, it's putting them in certain, certain positions, maybe it's helping, you know, whatever that may be, there's certain people that do that. And then there's people that don't. There's people that don't. There's events that don't, and there's people that don't. There's people that look at families like paychecks, and, and they mislead people. And they don't tell them the truth, or they'll promise them playing time, and they won't give it to them. Or they'll load up um, a roster a certain way, or they'll put them in an event, and they'll charge them you know, with X amount of dollars. It doesn't make any sense. And they don't have any accountability. What they're teaching uh, players and, and young men and, and, and I'm, we're getting into softball now, so you know when I have a more experience there, I can talk about that later. What they're teaching young men, though, is that no matter how much money you pay or how, much, how hard you try to work at it, somebody can always lie to you and mislead you, and that's the way to carry yourself to get ahead. And I, I can't do that. I can't look myself in the mirror and allow that lesson to be taught. So for us, it becomes about that integrity. It becomes about that example, right? It becomes about that pay it forward. Um, and so I think the game, to answer your question, is ready for that in a more unified scale. I can't really get into what that looks like. Um, there are things ahead that would kind of violate the, the Bob, the builder, if you will, in me, right? Um, as far as what that would be. And that'll come soon enough. There's always something up my sleeve. And if you've been in the series and you've watched what we do, there's probably some people listening right now who are nodding their head and smiling because they know there's something in my back pocket. But what I can say is it's, it's, time, for, it's time for change. And every 30 or 40 years in this, in this sport that we all love and dedicate our time to, something comes along to help make that happen. Now, that's not my word. Somebody pointed that out for me, but they're right. Something comes along to change. Our, our mission is even whether it's us or somebody else takes the baton from us and runs with it is to go ahead and, and be part of that change and be, and be at the head of that change. Um, and I think that some of that, that pressure we're putting on others is happening. I think the game's ready to change and, and shift back to be more player focused, to be more uh, less panic oriented, right? To start teaching some of the lessons that need to be there because then you can get some results. If you don't have a commitment now or you don't have a place to go to school, no matter what age you are, it doesn't mean there won't be one tomorrow. There's always another day. There's always another day. You just have to go find it. And in, in baseball, we say there's a job. There's always a job. You got to find it, the job. Well, you know, when I was in high school, what you see today with these rule changes was pretty similar. I mean, my phone rang on July 1st before my senior year. They couldn't talk to you before then. You just couldn't do it. They couldn't. You went to a game if they wanted you to come. It's fine, but you, you couldn't talk to them. It had to be done separately. So, um, you know, how that's happening and how that's that's happening, that's working, is, it shows you the shift that's coming. And, um, you know, again, our mission is to be at the front of that. Man, I couldn't agree more. I've, I've talked to enough people with that exact same sentiment. You can feel it. It's really bubbling up. There is a, there's definitely a time for change. And I love listening to you talk about it. And I have all the confidence in the world that you're, you're going to be at the forefront of it. Hey, everyone, again, thank you so much for joining. We certainly appreciate it. I do want you to know we take this Twitter space and we turn it into a podcast. The podcast is called The Now D1 Speak Show. It's literally on every podcast hosting platform out there. If, if you're on a platform and you can't find it, please let me know. I'll write an angry letter and I'll, I'll put Jeremy Booth on it. Um, but guys, go out there and subscribe to our show. I would certainly appreciate it. And give us a five-star rating. And if you're listening tonight and you're an uncommitted high school student, 
I would love to talk to you. Our show is pretty booked probably through about mid-June, but we are looking at uh, late June. So reach out to me. I'm at now underscore D1, and let's see if we can get you on the schedule. And that would include JUCO guys, too, that are looking to transfer. Hey, Jeremy, let's get right into it, all right? I mean, the, the most exciting, well, not the most exciting, but something that we certainly want to address and want to talk about is your book, Inside the Mind, the Mind of a Scout. Just give us maybe release dates. Why in the world did you write it? Give us an overview of the book. Where can we buy it? And are you now an author or a scout or an entrepreneur or a CEO or what, what are you? Um, pretty good question. Uh, you know, the book's called inside the mind of a scout. What I will say is it is, it's designed to be a, um, a guide for families to understand what people are thinking. It it should break up all the misinformation that's out there. Um, it's available for pre-order now inside the mind of a scout.com. Um, pre-order will get me a signature from me and I'll send them out by the end of the month. Um, but on Monday it goes live on Amazon. And it'll be in Barnes and Noble, and I want to say one other place as well, a couple of big box booksellers. But, you know, Amazon's kind of the, where people can go buy, buy it online, have it sent to their house starting Monday. Um, it really is designed to take the, some of the anxiety and some of the panic away. It's designed to give you an idea of what, how, how your players can project. Um, I, I recommend it for, for the young baseball player out there as well. And, and I was thinking about it because I had some people read it you know, ahead of time. And, and, and some of their answers that were, you know, this could work in corporate America, this can work in, in any sport, because you're talking about what people in positions in decision making power are looking for. So much of this has to do with value to an organization, right? In, in sports, that's about winning games, whether that's in college or professional baseball, eventually, you got to win games, you don't win games, fans don't come, and if fans don't come, they're not buying tickets or concessions. And then there's no there's no game to watch no team to watch, right? People lose their jobs over that. So you have to be able to be a winning player and a winning person. And in corporate America and other walks of life where almost everybody, well, check that, everybody's going to end up a way out of the game at some point, or at least on the business side of the game, um, it becomes much more about the, the intangible attributes as a player as opposed to what the athletic ability is, right? And so this, this book will give you a, uh, a guide into how that's going to look. You can apply it to anything. I didn't really realize that until I was done writing it. Um, obviously I've been, I've read it several times as we've been editing it and, and getting it to a place that we feel good about it. Um, it's taken probably three years of writing. The genesis of this was, you know, in the pandemic, um, everybody was shut down and, uh, I saw an opportunity to help us kind of, you know, the company at the time to help get the scale, the series to kind of do some things that would help us spread out. Maybe it was a little bit early, but we had to find some ways to reinvent ourselves. And so I wrote scout school. And Scout School is an online course that we use as a training tool that um, is Scouting 101, and it covers you know scouting and player development, what that looks like, and how to merge the two, and it covers some uh, some applications in the draft and, and international scouting, and that's the Scout School. Well, this kind of takes all of that and doesn't make it necessarily a how-to manual, but it does make it an explanation. Um, there's some stories in there. I've had some very good mentors. You know, most of my time, I spent one year with the Twins. Most of my time was spent with the Jack Sorensic tree, who was a scouting director with the Brewers and the, the GM of the Mariners. Um, you know, as far as on that side, I signed a few big leaders. Um, I was able to do some international scouting. I had a very interesting, although the story is in the book, a very interesting introduction to somebody who was very, I was very, very, very fortunate to spend time with as a scout, Fernando Arango. Um, and the passion he had for players down there in, in the Latin America or the players that he brought in um, was unmatched. 
I mean, I, I sat there with Fernando and we'd, he'd be fired up because the coaches weren't doing what they were supposed to do. And that was also a lesson about player development and what's your, what, what happens when, the, when you get out there. Um, and I had, to, I had to sit in the Dominican and calm him down. And now Fernando has a little bit of a story too. And I'll, I'll give you guys this. Everybody knows who Albert Pujols is, right? We know who he is. Um, Albert Pujols was from, I want to say, it was, it was a college in Missouri. I can't remember the name. Might be Maplewoods, might not have been. Uh, 13th round pick. Well, at the time, Fernando had the Midwest, and he was working for Tampa Bay. He went in to, to, uh, to Tampa and brought Albert Pujols for a workout. Race had no interest. And remember, he went in the 13th round. Race had no interest. I think Fernando quit. The Cardinals took, you know, Albert in the 13th round, and Albert went on and became Albert Pujols, right? So that type, those type of lessons in scouting, that type of passion I was fortunate to be around. Um, it was hard to find a better scout than Jack Zarensic, uh from an from a offensive standpoint, and I, I loved working for him and remain close to him to this day. So you'll find some of those stories in there. You'll find um, you know, Bobby Heck, who's a mentor of mine, wrote the foreword, which I was grateful for. Um, and there's been some, some, some very, you know, a very tight knit group as, as we've moved on and, and together, even though I'm not technically working for a club anymore, technically, as we go forward to the next phases, those relationships in baseball have persevered and, um, not too much about the series, but really about how families to understand how it works, what it means to be on the road, what the roles look like and, and how to help your, how to help understand the process. Man. All right. I got to say here, there's so much there to unpack, honestly. I, I, I know that. Well, let me ask you this, or let me phrase it this way. One, I just love your passion and your excitement and your, your ability to recall so much detail. I mean, it's really, it's inspiring to kind of listen to you. It gets you fired up. What, and maybe this isn't in the book part of um, inside the mind of a scout at all, but just professionally, what, what's been the, the best part of your career? What have you enjoyed the most? Um, man, it's a good question. Um, I truly believe that when, when I'm done, whenever that is, when I ride off into a sunset, I'm not the type of guy to go sit on a beach. That's just not me. I'm not going to go shut it down in the next five, six years and, and go, you know, wade in the water. It's not, I'm, I'm not going to do that. But I can say that I think the, the best part about my career, besides being able to have one, is that I do believe I'm going to leave this game better than I found it. I don't know what that looks like in the end. Um, it's given a lot to me. I was born into it. It's a passion that, that I can't ever match with anything else. You know, this game, if, if it grabs hold of you, um, it grabs hold of you and you grab hold of it and it just doesn't release you. If you don't want to be that guy that walks through fire, literal fire to play this game and to be part of it, um, it's, it's not for you. It's just not, you know, I, I you know, it's, it's the nuggets of how I got into the game, even with all American awards and being a top 10 player, it, it, you know, I, it's, I was a loophole free agent and signed in St. Paul Saints. People don't realize that because it's a very minor footnote, but you know, JD Drew and I were up there together and he was a loophole free agent and I was a loophole free agent. And then I, I couldn't stay healthy. And I had to go to the Mexican minor league to play and came back, played with a couple organizations. And I ended up wearing 24 different minor league uniforms before it was over. You have got to be resilient. You've got to compete. You've got to have those things in you. And only passion and desire will, will lead you down that road. You also got to know when it's time to go. And um, with that, whenever that time is, whatever, whenever that comes on the other side, the goal is to leave the game better than I found it. And, and if I'm able to do that, and I think I will, um, 
And that's going to be the best moment. I don't need anybody to remember my name. I don't need people to give me a round of applause. I don't need that. I, what I what I want to do is leave something that so many people want to do and has so many different things that it, that can shape players and, and young men to be. I want to use that tool to make it make the world a better place and help players achieve their dreams because I had a shot at mine. Now, what I did with them is up to me. That's, that's you know, I own it. Whether it was good, bad, or otherwise, I own it. Um, but helping people get a chance to do that. Um, that's what it's about for me. And so if I'm able to do that and I'm able to make a difference in people's lives, um, then, then that's the best moment. And, and that's what, that's how I'll leave it. Man, I believe it. I mean, I can feel the passion you mentioned earlier when you were talking about what's coming next with program 15 and the future series. And uh, you said, you know, there's a couple of guys listening right now and they're nodding their head. I got to tell you, I was sitting here nodding my head the whole time that you're talking. Well, when I listen to you talk, I want to, I want to read the book. I really want to see, I want to hear or read what it is that you're, that you're been, that you've been talking about. I mean, anybody that's on, I got to believe that you're going to want this book as well. And, and so I want to ask you something, Jeremy, about the book in that regard, would you be willing to donate a book? And I think, and and before we kind of get into this last question, I mean, I think it would be such a kick. I would, you know, I thought it was going to be, more driven toward uncommitted kids. But I got to tell you, listening to the way you're talking about it and the leadership perspective, the, the book's for anyone. But if you would donate a book, I would love to be able to give it away. And maybe what we could do is everybody who's listening tonight or who joined, however you were able to join, whichever tweet you used to join, if you'll just like it and retweet it, we'll just enter you in for an autographed copy. Would, would you be good with that? You know what? I, absolutely. I, w- I would I'd be honored to do that. And I appreciate the, the time and the interest in it. Um, and so, yeah, w- w- without question, no problem. Oh, man, that is so awesome. I can't tell you how much fun I've had tonight. I mean, you are truly a joy to listen to. And uh, you're exciting. You're exciting to be around. And I can only imagine kind of what the future is going to have for you. And kind of that that pull that you'll bring along with you is, is pretty cool. Hey, let's end it. Let's kind of end it with this, if you don't mind. And and again, this is kind of mindful of our audience. Just give maybe some general advice to uncommitted prospects that are out there today. And and they could be let's just kind of stay in high school. You know, they're ninth graders through 12th and they are looking for an opportunity. If you're um, if you're a younger prospect and you're not committed, that's a good thing. Too many things change at the higher levels in college um, and, 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 you know, to, to hold on to at 14 and 15 years old. Do your homework. Take your time. Let it come. Now, when it comes to players of all ages, you can only control what you can control. So master your craft. Understand who you have to be. Don't chase a number like exit velocity. And, and here's, a, here's a nugget for you, as I can tell you, somebody, like I said, who had a very storied um, and, and, and high-end leadership, uh, you know, athletic you know, uh, career. If you peak too early, guys that peak too early, let them peak. Always be the guy that's got something left to prove. Always be the guy that's got something left in the tank. Be the guy that has a future. Be the guy that, be the guy that somebody looks at you and says, you know what, someday he's going to be. And then continue to hit the markers you set for yourself on the way, right? Because that's what gets people excited. 
That's what gets people interested. When you go see players, as I'll use pitching, because everybody understands pitching. You go see players that are 94 miles per hour at 16 years old. I mean, guys get bored. They don't tell you that. They get bored. Because by the time that you, they turn around and, and, they're, and they're, they're a senior, what are they going to do? They're going to throw 107? Like, nobody does that, right? So there's only so much further they can go. Always have the guy that has some room. Always be the guy that works hard. Master your craft. Put yourself in positions to succeed and be around people who can help you grow. Now, the rest of that stuff, being committed and, and, and being drafted and whatever, those are results, right? Those are results. But the, if you don't have – if you focus on results, you never accomplish – the process is lost, and then those results are short-lived. If you want to be long-lasting in this game, you don't worry about what you can't control. You worry about what you can. And the way to do that is work on your craft, be the best person you can be, take care of your grades so that there's no issue with getting into school or even establishing yourself while you're there. And always find another level to achieve. Every single day when you get out of bed, you need to find another level to achieve. When you look yourself in the mirror, the only person holding you back is you. And so if that's the case, and it's you versus you, and you have a chance to win every single day. And if you win every day, other stuff will just fall in the line. Always does. Man, thank you. Very, very inspiring right there. That, any parent that's listening to that is, uh, is taking that and sharing it with their son tonight. And any son that's listening to it, that's just getting them fired up, man. That's awesome stuff right there. Hey, guys, on Monday, we are going to go back to our regular schedule. We're going to have Ashton Shannon on. Ashton is a 24 uncommitted prospect, and he's out of Virginia. So if this is one of the first times that you've ever been on, I would invite you to come back Monday at uh, 9 o'clock and hear perspective from a high school student. Be really interesting right after you listen and listen to, uh, you know, expert advice from Jeremy to then kind of get the other perspective as kids are trying to, to move themselves forward. Jeremy, what an awesome show, man. I just can't tell you how much fun I had tonight. I really enjoyed getting to know you a little bit better and what all it is that you have to offer. Thank you again to everyone who joined. Please subscribe to the Now D1 uh, Speak Show and all the uncommitteds and anyone, actually, just like and retweet however you got on because we want to be able to give away a copy of Inside the Mind of a Scout by Jeremy Booth. And Jeremy, man, I hope we're able to stay in touch. This is the first time. This, this is all live for anybody that's on. I mean, we don't edit this back and forth and say, hey, let's do one more take. It's just raw. And this is the first time Jeremy and I have ever spoken that, you know, that we're getting to know each other. And I've loved it. I hope that you appreciate what it is that now D1 is doing. I would love for you to come back at some point. You know, maybe we kind of see if you've gotten a little closer to the secrets that you have coming forward in six months and maybe in a year. We'll get to read that prequel or that sequel and we'll talk about it as well. And I would love it. I really appreciate the opportunity to visit with you and and to uh, you know talk the game and, and and talk talk about this book, which you know hopefully helps many people. Awesome, man! Nothing but the best of luck to you, everybody. We're going to end it here. Good night. <laughs>